Welcome to the Rest and Recovery Podcast. This is a podcast on life's most effective healing tools, rest and recovery, through expert advice, wellness methods, and self-care. Welcome to the Rest and Recovery Podcast. This is about life's most effective healing tools in rest and recovery through expert advice, wellness, wellness methods, All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. With me today is Anthony LaRubio. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, happy to be here, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to connect. I mean, um, found you or discovered you, I guess, uh, discovered each other on LinkedIn and um, some common interests. And that's kind of the fun part about social media and, and the interwebs uh, of connecting mm-hmm. with like-minded folks um, and noticed you know, your background and, and entrepreneurship and then now evolved to, I guess, still in the entrepreneurship, but I'll call mm-hmm. it wellness travel, which seems to be a, a blossoming and exploding environment right now. Not that it's, it hasn't been there, but a new mm-hmm. twist on it. But, um, you know, talk about, give me a little background about, about you and kind of your origination story from where you came from to, to start Recal. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. And and you're right. I think wellness travel is kind of seeing a bit of a, a renaissance right now, some growth happening as people are starting to travel more. I think that, that there is an, an angle of travel now where people are pushing toward transformational travel, mm-hmm. um, traveling with a purpose and meaning behind it. So I think you're spot on. And and that is now, obviously, that is what I do here at, at Recal Travel. We we specialize in in mindful adventure travel. So straddling that line between adventure travel and doing something very engaging and physically active, but then also mindfulness and practicing different various modalities of mindfulness along the way. Um, how did I get into Recal? Um, I was the person that um, that Recal is meant for today, right? Um, like you mentioned, I did have a a previous stint as an entrepreneur when I was in college, I, I started a company actually, um, in a completely different field. And I ended up building that company from the ground up, um, with a co-founder and, and then a team that grew to, you know, 50 employees or so over the course of eight years. But I, I grew it as a co-founder and CEO, um, to a pretty good size. And that took a lot of blood, sweat, tears, long nights, long days, um, traveling here and there. I mean, just the classic entrepreneurship grinded out story. Um, and then immediately after my departure, actually from that business, um, I jumped right into a, a role with a private equity firm. And that was a, a whole nother realm of business that I previously kind of hadn't really seen. I mean, I had been building businesses, uh, my, my previous business for quite a while. Now I went into private equity, which was a whole nother realm of not just purely build, but also break down, optimize a little bit of that ruthless angle of business that I'm, I, I, I obviously didn't last that long actually in that role. And it's probably because it was misaligned with, I guess, my, some of my, my core beliefs on, on the world and, and what the role business plays. So I was, um, I was 
grinding it out as as a private equity my 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 role was operating partner so i was one of the people that went on site to the businesses that we were set to turn around and so that was a a really tough role and i did that a couple of times and i just kind of i think that as you're grinding away at these roles and i'm sure a lot of of your listeners can probably relate you sort of feel like there's something missing. Um, you, you're, you're doing things because you, you believe it's going to bring you happiness and fulfillment. And then, and then the way that you go about your daily life, sometimes there's just something missing there. And, and I definitely feel like I, I had that, that feeling and that, that feeling was really emerging for me. And, you know, what was my purpose? What am I missing? What's wrong with my, my body's not quite feeling right. My mind's really not in a good place either. And then you just kind of go in, go, go through the motions and you, you think that this is the way that you're supposed to be. And, and they will lead you to this place. It's always like you're trying to go somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, You know, that phrase like, oh, I'm getting there, but where are we getting? We are, a human just, you know, hopefully enjoying this experience, we should be present. And it took me a long time to really like put that together. Yeah. So, um, kind of so destination focused. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. It is so destination focused and you're never focused on that, that present. It's just that destination. And then the thing is, the tricky thing is that destination is always moving. Yeah. And we don't really realize in the moment that, that once we reach that quote-unquote destination we're, we've already built the next one so you're in this i mean that is the hamster wheel concept right i guess um so i i was definitely part of that and then i i did i i ended up leaving that role with with the private equity firm not in a wonderful place necessarily mentally emotionally physically um and what i did was um i think i just listened to my body and what it was maybe calling for, which was a reconnection with nature. First and foremost, reconnect with nature. And so I actually um, hopped in a camper van and I lived out of the, out of the van for 30 days. Um, and I just went wow. all along the Southwest part of, of the U S I Send picked it up and did it. Huh? Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I turned it off. I, I like to, to phrase it as I turned off the real world, so to speak. Because previously I was, it was full of noise for me, full of distractions, notifications, emails. I mean, I had everything going on and I, I had built a reputation that I would be the one to answer things quickly. And that noise, I think is actually what, what drove me to this, this point of, of exhaustion and burnout and, and trying to rediscover what my purpose is. So I went primal, basically, <laughs> you know, I went, I went, I turned it off and, and I went primal and I just tried to reconnect with nature. And um, so I, I went and I spent the 30 days in, in a van just, you know, from Denver down through the, the Grand Canyon over to the coast of California, up into the Redwoods, across um, Utah. Um, you know, I just went to all these places and I saw all these things and I just, and I started to really hone in on what my mindfulness practices could be, um, what the thing that's going to maybe serve me or what tools that I could start to use as I, especially as I came back to the real world, that was the real world. That was, that was one of the things that I was pretty yeah. fearful of was that noise, the re-entrance of the noise and, and the responsibilities and, and everything. 
And so I was searching for tools, mindfulness practices and, and other tools to do that. And that's actually when I came across the Wim Hof method mm-hmm. and and I know I know you've had some some people on on the show and everything that talk a lot about the Wim Hof method. Um, yeah. I'm I am now actually one of the the newest instructors here in the U.S. I've gone that far into it, but but right. as I was coming back to the to the real world, I discovered the Wim Hof method, and to me, it became a tool, a daily practice tool for me to center myself, ground myself, recalibrate my mind and my body prepare myself for the stressful environments that you're inevitably going to face throughout the day. Right. And that, that is what both the, the breath, but also really the cold, you're basically manufacturing a stressful environment for your body. And then you're practicing how you actually operate in that stressful environment. And so that is so applicable to, to the, the everyday life um, yeah. today. Yeah. So. And I, I, there's some, there's a couple of different things I had, thought about when we went through that, but the last one on, I I wrote down tools for perseverance because Mm -hmm. as much as we can say or, or point to the burnout culture, uh, that I I do think exists, um, we can also be victimized by it. We can also take ownership and say it happened kind of like your experience. My experience is very, very similar where Mm -hmm. I kind of went with the waves, right. And just kind of bounced about the waves and, uh, allowed them to beat me up. And then mm-hmm. at some point I realized I'm actually in control of this ship, uh, as much as the conditions are outside of me. Uh, yeah. but I think it's important that last part in really being able to ground yourself and equipping yourself with those tools and breath work is that great method or modality to really mm-hmm. kind of reclaim your personal sovereignty over things yeah. that are out of your control. Yeah. Absolutely. Spot on. And, and so the, those tools are what I was, I was seeking. I, I, I was so nervous about coming back and how was I going to persevere, I guess, to your point. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's where the Wim Hof method came into play and, and meditation. I had been meditating for a little while in search of a tool, even when I was in the midst of the, the grind that, that I was doing. Um, but it, it didn't quite stick that well for me. Uh, you know, the classic monkey mind, a lot of people talk about this, um, was very active during my meditations and it was hard to really ground myself. And then, and then when I found breathwork, I, I, I realized, oh, wow, this is like a, a cheat code. Like I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just pressing the cheat code and then all of a sudden my mind is quiet. And that's one of the, the beauties of, of breathwork. And there's been studies, CAT scans and whatnot, that actually show that the higher order cortical areas of your brain, they are the most active, which is your reflective parts of your brain and everything. Um, and so there's real science behind the perceived after breathwork of, oh, this is quiet. Yeah, and, and, and to the burnout activity and lifestyle, it creates that opposite effect of like, closing the things out constricting mm-hmm. or you know from the science perspective not that i'm that deep in it is it's really yeah. stress constricts the mm-hmm. blood vessels which reduces the blood flow which is creates that like anxiety around things yeah. and that uh monkey mind of just reacting to things rather than being kind of in control right absolutely yes it's tough to be the pilot of your stress response if you're not trained to be the pilot. Right. 
And that's where I think, you know, part of the challenge that I found was I can feel like you ought to know this stuff. Right. Mm. I'm just, and, and I think the challenge with breath work and, and even sleep as recovery things is like, oh, I sleep or, oh, I breathe and we blow it off. But there's actually mm-hmm. a skill to both. Uh, there's actually a friend's podcast. Sleep is a skill Molly McLaughlin. And she, uh, you know, it, it is a skill. And to your point, breath work is a skill. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. And, and I do think that we, we run on autopilot a lot. We just count on the autonomic nervous system to just kind of do its thing and control our breath and control our heart rate. However, our body, and really this is actually getting into the core of the purpose behind recal. Um, I, I, it is our belief that really our body and our physiology is it's wired, it's built for, it's adapted for over thousands of years of evolution for an environment that is not relevant anymore today. Yeah. So, and, and this is called a few different people have, have used, you know, uh, have termed this uh, various things. One of them, a uh, great breathworker, author, coach, retreat leader, Jesse Coomer, his term for this is the modern human condition. Um, there's other science and research around this, uh, calling it the evolutionary mismatch theory. People like Daniel Lieberman, um, author of a book called The Story of the Human Body, Harvard professor, he talks a lot about the mis- this mismatch theory. Um, and what that is basically stating is that our bodies over thousands of years of evolution, they adapted in an environment that at the time was relevant. It was our hunter-gatherer time frames. Um, so when our environment told our eyes and our body and our brain that there is a threat happening, we would kick into sympathetic nervous system and our fight flight response would actually be activated. And that served a real purpose because it was a true like life-threatening situation. So the environment and our body was in alignment, right? There was a match there. Now, when you fast forward to our modern culture and and the world that we live in now, and you have a lot of your fundamental needs met, um, you're not necessarily foraging for food all the time because you constantly need food. We live in an era of surplus. um, And and the the threats that we have today aren't typically life-threatening. not that there aren't those, of course, but but certainly the amount that our sympathetic nervous system actually is activated, it's, yeah. it's not nearly as, as many times as that's really needed. Right. Um, so now you have this mismatch, right, between the body and our environment. And so that, I think, is what actually is one of the defining, this is our, our belief, my belief, recal travel as a whole, our belief is that that's one of the defining reasons behind burnout today, or, or a lot of the, the mental health, even physical health issues like type two diabetes, for example, is, is our body saying, I need the, this high caloric foods that's for my sustenance and my survival. However, again, when we live in an era of surplus, that sometimes doesn't, it no longer serves us. So there's that, that mismatch. Yeah. And I think it goes back to your statement earlier, like when you went quote unquote off the grid um, Mm -hmm. and then back to the quote unquote real world, it's like, how real is it? Um, And to your point, and and now we're, we're we are in a modern world. So like we have to figure out the integrated lifestyle 
as I've mm-hmm. heard some folks say, but we also have to fully acknowledge the unintended consequence to modern lifestyle. And I think yes. that's the part that a lot of people will blow off, including myself for a long time is just, because it can turn into a blame game, right? Even to the point of, like I was saying, the victimized mindset of burnout culture in every profession, you know, whether it's professional sports or IT world where I came out of, you know, at the dot com when I came out of school. So it was like, you know, mm-hmm. the water cooler talk at 2 a.m. Is, is, you know, oh, I was up at night at two and then woke up at five and did it again and rah, rah. Um, yeah. and there's certainly times and places for that. Right. But those are seasons, not lifestyles. And I think, yes. Yeah. You know, even the root of this is like, we're uh, lately, I've been talking about respecting the rest. I think it's, that's mm-hmm. the third leg of the stool here that you're really talking to is, is finding that way to reset, recalibrate, recharge so that you can persevere through the modern lifestyle and have those boundaries and to be able to go in and out rather than this like gray area of life. Yes. Yeah. Spot on. Um, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. I mean, the goal here is to not change our lifestyles and a lot of the conveniences and a lot of the things that, that we have now, but it's more so how do we how do we approach them? What tools do we incorporate into our life that are going to, to help us optimize our lives and really maybe find purpose behind certain things? And, and, and at the end of the day, I think hopefully drive the, the greatest amount of happiness that we can bring to our lives. Um, and I mean, just, just to use the example, I think, of, of the water cooler talk at 2 a.m., you know, there is just to go back to the mismatch theory of evolution, right? Um, There is so many things in that one moment in time that is out of alignment between what our, our bodies are meant for. You know, the first one is, and and the most kind of obvious one is, okay, it's 2 AM. Our, our bodies know that at at 2 AM, we should be resting because we need to wake up the next morning and, and go and gather food, hunt food. I mean, that's kind of what we're in. We're supposed to be in parasympathetic nervous system at that state, the rest, digest. And really we're supposed to be sleeping, right? I think I'm in that circadian rhythm piece and some science things is like two two to four is like the most critical piece Mm -hmm. for recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, the, the first thing that's really wrong with that is you're throwing off your circadian rhythm entirely. Right. The, the second thing is, what are you talking about over the water cooler? It's, it's potentially something that's really going to start stressing you out. Maybe it's a rumor about right. Um, right. So, a colleague that, that maybe doesn't have your best interest in mind. So then now you're not trusting your environment and your environment is saying, this is unsafe right now. I have a threat. And so you're kicked into sympathetic nervous system at 2 a.m. when you're supposed to be sleeping. Um, and so that, I mean, over time, I mean, that is, that is a, the grinding away of our, our body. And, um, and then you throw in what, one more element, which is you're probably, a lot of people don't think about this, but you're, you're probably sitting under artificial light at 2 a.m. I assume in the office, you've got your lights on. Yep. That truly is like a, a new concept for humans. I mean, I mean, electrical grids and the layout and everything. I mean, even, even just electricity as a whole, that's not that old. It's uh, 
I'm, I don't have my dates probably never done, but 100, 120, 140 yeah. years, something like that. And then the, the concept of really like staying up late using artificial light, I mean, that's just throwing our body completely out of whack. Yeah. And so you mentioned placing blame necessarily on the burnout culture. Um, I, we are, are, are ha- we habitually do try to identify who's to blame for this, the man, the whatever, the person, the job, the grind, yeah. whatever. But I go a route of, of trying to, to say our, it is nobody's fault. It is our bodies actually that are sometimes telling us something and, and, and it's really hard to listen to our bodies at, at times. Yeah. I, I mean, intuition, that's a whole field that I am not an expert in, but, but I know that it's extremely challenging. Or just a, self-awareness. Like it, it, it yeah. the, like you were saying earlier, the autopilot, right. And so much is on autopilot that we don't acknowledge the different things or even have understanding mm-hmm. of what they mean. Like it, it's a, it's a, mm-hmm. like a false flag. Cause we don't, we see something and we're like, oh, look, there's a red flag. And then you move on. You're like, well, a red yeah. flag is like, hey, do something. <laughs> yes, totally. Exactly. Yeah. And and so I don't I don't know that the, the focus should be necessarily so much. And and I, I shouldn't use the word should. Right. But but we should strive to, to not place blame on these things, but more so give our ourselves grace for for feeling those feelings because our body is a beautiful thing. We should, we should, we, (laughs) the goal is we, we ought to, the goal (laughs) is to listen to our body and get and and reach the point of self-awareness that, Hey, my body might be telling me something. And that requires mindfulness really. Uh, That's what I believe is that to really go that present and to be in the moment enough to be able to listen to, to our body and know something's wrong and, and then actually take action then to, to what our body's telling us is the really key part of all this. Yeah. And, and something I've been attempting to do for myself is, is using little phrases um, like assess versus evaluate. Mm. So like you're saying around giving yourself grace. So like there's times where I would recognize certain things, but then be critical of of it occurring rather than just acknowledging, Hey, it occurred. Okay. What's the after action review? How do you adjust going forward and like not repeat the same mistake? Instead, it's that should right? that self-shaming or whatever that narrative is that we then compound negative interest on that Mm -hmm. topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Um, Assess versus evaluate. I like that a lot. Um, There's actually something that that it's related to what we do on, on our trips at Recal. So we have a, a, an absolutely wonderful partner um, on, on one of our trip series called Quiet Parks International. And what Quiet Parks does, and this is led by a few different individuals, Gordon Hempton, um, kind of the originator behind uh, seeking out the quietest places in the world. Um, this started with one square inch of silence, which is this tiny part of the Ho Rainforest and Olympic National Park that that was previously um, the, one of the quietest places. And now it's morphed into this organization as a whole with a, a bunch of different people that, that seek out the quietest places. So we are partnered with them actually um, to run mindful adventure retreat style trips 
in the quietest places in the world. So going back to um, one of the, the tenets of Recal, there's three tenets. The first one's reconnect with nature. The second one is mindfulness practices. And then the third one is adventure, engaging our body as well as our mind along the way in, in reconnecting with nature. And so to go back to some of the rawest forms of nature, we thought what a perfect partnership to, to partner with Quiet Parks International to go into the places that they've done the sound recordings and they've found the quietest places. And when I say quiet, it's just the least amount of human made noise. So how can we eliminate as best as possible, which these places are rare today, admittedly, um, where there is not an, a human intervention of, of noise and disruption. So you're going into a really quiet place uh, to human noise, but it is not silent. So you're hearing birds, you're hearing leaves, you're actually hearing the things that we don't hear that often because the human noise is kind of like tuning those things out for us. Um, and so one of the, the things that they, they practice and, and a thing that we incorporate on our trips, because we are, we go through a training with quiet parks international. How do you actually listen to the quiet? And it's, I'm finally getting to the point of how this relates to assess versus evaluate one of the key principles to listening to quiet is not to attempt to identify every noise that you hear in that place and give it a title and then unconsciously potentially apply judgment to that sound. You are just attempting to be present in the moment and, and listen to the place and not the individual things. And that sometimes is, is really challenging. And so when you said assess as opposed to evaluate, um, I think that goes right hand in hand with some of the practices that, that we teach and, and we work with on our, on our quiet park trip series, which is listening to a place and, and not identifying every single sound that you hear. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty neat. Um, it kind of reminds me of a recent conversation with another guest, um, Patrick Porter uh, from BrainTap. And so mm. he was talking about, you mentioned the subconscious and that we capture or hear more things than we realize subconsciously, um, even mm -hmm. things that seem non-audible, uh, that that kind of low burn, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, low yeah, light. Low frequency. Low yeah. frequency yeah. is still kind of like coming at you. So it's like that little... Um, nipping at your ankles kind of thing of like, just, it just builds up over time though. So you've got mm -hmm. what you do can't acknowledge and see somewhat so subconscious. And then the, the subconscious uh, yeah. that your brain is interpreting all the time. Yep. And the brain's interpreting it and the brain is actually really um, good at at pushing that down and trying to ignore that actually it's really good at trying to drown that out and and then allow us to still think cognitively about yep. all these other things but you know we're still our our physiology is still not used to having that level of noise just constantly ringing so to speak uh, no pun intended i guess yeah i mean again my simplistic mind i guess i always use it for metaphors but it made me think one time about burnout and you know, or energy, like energy management, but thinking about a car and like, if you leave an interior light on in your vehicle, mm -hmm. it's not going to kill the battery right away. You're going to go out, you're going to say, Oh crap. And start the car. And it, it probably the first time you do it probably start just fine. Like nothing happened. 
But if you do it enough times, eventually it's going to take longer to start the engine. It's going to mm. take longer to warm up and then it's going to shorten the lifespan of the battery. Well, we're that battery. If we habitually do that low grade, leave one little interior light on that doesn't seem like much. Um, and then it just kind of just wears on you on a slow burn level. Um, anyway, that's always made no, sense. That's a, I don't that's that. a great metaphor. No, I, I really do like that a lot. Um, I do. Um, and you know, one of the challenges is even understanding that we have that light on yeah. in, in the beginning, like, um, yeah. And, and again, that goes back to, I think, I think mindfulness and, and some of the tools that I think can maybe bring out identifying and, and, and awareness around those, what lights are we leaving on at night? Yeah. So and that so, could be literally as well as figuratively. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, to the awareness factors, think about things you walk around. I think even Dr. Porter mentioned this too, is like you walk by things and don't realize your keys are sitting right there and you've been looking for your keys, right? Sometimes mm. our brain do doesn't, it skips over things. Um, so you mm -hmm. might start to skip over those things that become normalized and that light mm -hmm. on is on. So it's now, Oh, that's, that's supposed to be on. Well, no, it actually isn't. And kind of re, re, re what's the right term? You know, becoming aware of the fact that no, it's really supposed to be off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, ab absolutely. No, that's a great point. So I want to circle back to recal and, and to the breath work as a tool. So what is it about that you have found personally and then um, uh, how breath work can kind of reclaim that uh, ability to assess and evaluate, I should say, uh, your surroundings? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so well, first and, and foremost, on, on a recal trip specifically, and, and, you know, we've, we've got a few coming up in June of this year. Um, as I mentioned, we've got our quiet park trip series. Um, awesome. We're going, we're going to the glacier national park. One, of, especially one of the remote area park that is one of the quietest in, in the world. It's been identified at, by quiet parks international as one of the quietest. So we're going there. We're doing some e-biking on a going to the sun road through the park. That's closed to vehicle traffic. So again, you don't have that to combat with. And then we're doing some silent hiking and things like that. And then we're also doing a canoeing and camping trip in the Boundary Waters canoe area in northern Minnesota, which is my uh, this the stage in which I live actually coincidentally um, I live nearby one of the quietest places in the world. And that's like a million acre um, wilderness plot of land that's um, closed to uh, to like no motors. It's actually like a, a no fly zone over top of, of it. So it's really one of the quietest protected areas. So those are a few of, of the trips that, that we have coming up. Um, and also backpacking in the Ho rainforest, which I mentioned is Gordon Hempton's original quietest place. Um, so on, on each trip, just to get to the point of the, the breath work on each of the trips, we actually have a recal coach that is certified in some breath work plus other forms of mindfulness modalities. Um, so they're certified, whether that's in, in Wim Hof method or um, some oxygen advantage um, yep. Yep. practices, more on the, on the optimizing and, and performance and, and health. Wim Hof can be a um, little, little more on the, the mindfulness practices and, and um, going deep and back to our nature. 
Um, so no matter the breathwork modality that they're certified in, they are coaching and leading people through, through um, the, the trip, the retreat itself. So how do we use breathwork um, on the trip and, and maybe why? I, I, breathwork is, is, again, one of those things that even if we have a lot of the people that are coming on trips are they're, they're burnt out. They're really embedded and deep in, in this modern grind culture that we're living in. And they're also very disconnected from nature. They likely live in cities or in urban environments, and there's just not that much access a lot of times to nature, but there's also then for them personally in their mind, there's not a lot of access to quiet either in their mind, like inner quiet. Yeah. Um, so maybe the meditation is kind of a, been a struggle to really get that practice going um, or other forms of mindfulness. And so our breathwork coaches use, use breathwork to hit that. Again, I'll use it, hit that cheat code and, and engage our body to then quiet the mind and in that setting where we've quieted the mind, breathwork, I think, also establishes presence. And you're able to just feel your, your body, feel your environment in kind of a different way right after breathwork. And so after we've done some of those practices, then we go on a hike. And sometimes it can be a silent hike. And you're just taking in, this is, you know, can be traditionally called forest bathing, um, where we're not actually going into the water, but you're, you're, you're bathing in the raw nature around you. Yeah. And that has a lot of, of actually like scientifically proven health benefits, lower blood pressure, um, decreased levels of stress and anxiety. And so that's, you know, after breathwork has established presence for our, our bodies and our mind and quieted some things, then we go on this mindful experience through nature. And it's, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, to oversell it. It's really a, a beautiful thing. I mean, for someone that is so caught up in their day-to-day and they've left that light on in their car time and time again, every night, they've thrown off their circadian rhythms, they're disconnected from nature, um, to, to witness someone going through a silent hike after doing breath work. Um, I mean, it is, it is the essence of where the name recal comes from, which is it's a true recalibration for their mind and body. And it opens up a, a whole world to hopefully get them out of that, um, you know, tough position that they are in, in, in their state of burnout. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, you know, that disconnect from thousands of years of activity for the human body versus the mm-hmm. hundred or less than in most of the modern technology, but we live in our present day. So we think, well, this is like a prime example. I'm in a generation where I knew life before the iPhone. I can't remember though, what that was like now, because it's yes. the last decade plus I've had an iPhone in my hand. And now I think back and I'm like, how did I ever connect with my friends to go out? It's like, yeah. I, I, I can't even remember that. And that yeah. was my life, my entire <laughs> life. Yes, absolutely. We, we have such like a, a recency bias, yeah. I think. That's a great and, point. And that's, a, that is a, 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 I don't know, that can be a strength to our brain. I, I view yeah. a lot of these things as, as our body does this and it's been adapted this way for a reason. There's been thousands of years worth of, of adaptations to a natural selection to actually land us 
into our bodies where they are today. So I always try to look at them as like a grace thing. And it's beautiful that, you know, our, our minds can, can do the things that we do, but the recency bias, it's really hard to take this moment in time for us and then apply some contextual awareness to it to say, whoa, this is unusual. I'm, I'm on the fifth floor of a building right now in my, in my apartment in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm looking out over a McDonald's and a Taco Bell that, <laughs> That is so out of whack from the, the environment in which our, our bodies kind of came to be. And that mismatch, again, is, is the thing that, um, that recal is all about. How, how do we recalibrate and, and apply perspective and contextual awareness to, to a lot of those things? But then just use it as a tool to get the most out of the life that, that we're in, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I would presume some of the walkaways, you know, being equipped for when you do go back into it uh, mm -hmm. in the modern world, because that's where we all live for the most part, mm -hmm. um, that you can, you can at least find some ways to hedge on the day to day and get mm -hmm. equipped with that breath work that you can do all the time. It's an, it's a necessity, necessity be on this side of uh, heaven. Uh, but, you know, uh, walking away, like doing those soaking moments, I'll call it of getting out of it, taking it for what it is to kind of recharge that battery up, but then also have a takeaway that you can do on a day to day so that yeah. come that, that next trip, you know, you have a little bit more margin when you show up than you did before. Yeah. And I, and I, it's not that I don't want to sell a future trip, but I hope that there's never a, another trip to be, to be had. I mean, I mean, truly we realize at recal that, that, a trip is kind of the, just that moment in time. It's that place where we're able to separate ourselves from the world. But, but much like when I was coming back from my own sort of recal trip to the real world, so to speak, um, hopefully now we've equipped people with some tools. And the breathwork is one tool um, for sure. We also actually, every single one of our, our recal trip attendees, actually, they get, they get a journal, which is a, a recal journal. And, and in this, it's, it's got monthly, weekly, and daily modules and prompted questions to hopefully kind of like pick up a, a, a journaling practice. And inherently, actually, as a part of that, there's a habit tracker that you can track. Did I do breath or did I do some cold exposure to train myself how to handle these, you know, stress responses that automatically emerge for me? Um, and then also you've developed a relationship with your recal coach on the trip. And then there's other tools and things that the recal coaches offer. I myself actually do like a, a Monday morning breathwork session every, every Monday morning. I think it's at 7 15 AM Eastern time to just hit that recalibrate button in the, in the morning before the week ahead. Um, and so there are other tools and we have some ongoing content and things to hopefully help people stay in calibration once they've actually, you know, come back from a trip. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I definitely need to find a way to, to join one of those excursions and trips uh, <laughs> for sure. I, I will say I'm, I lean more towards modern. I've only been camping a couple of times and mm -hmm. uh, I've always joked, what's the show uh, um, when they go off on an Island and uh, survivor. Oh, I was going to guess Gilligan's watched, Island, I mean, and I am not the person to be yeah. asking for pop culture yeah. TV shows. I am, no, I, I am well, my, my point to that is like, I'm not much of a camper. So like sleeping outside and then hearing that nature is mm -hmm. unnerving for me. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, waiting to get, 
eaten by a bear or something, although it's not likely to happen, but you know, that's where your brain goes because of you're, you're so disconnected from that yeah. of what it really is like. And so when you're in it, uh, and I would presume that's part of the, the, the coaching is like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. is like you don't know what you don't know. So like some kind of validation of like, Hey, this is what the experience is going to happen mm-hmm. for you because you're so soaked in the modern lifestyle. Yeah, no, that is one of the key parts of the coaching. And, and not only do you get a, a recal coach um, from our perspective, but we also, every one of our trips is guided and outfitted by somebody who's been doing this for a long time as well. So the key here is, and so you, you're basically having two, at least two trip leaders on every single trip. And these are small group trips between seven and 10 people um, on every trip. The, the key is creating that safe space for everybody, both like physically safe, like, okay, we've handled the guiding aspects of the navigating in the boundary waters, you know, canoeing, camping, picking where you're going to go, but also creating space for somebody to emotionally feel safe, to let some things go is a really key part because you're going to be bringing with you on a trip so much of of whatever you're holding on to. And so to be able to release that along the way, um, that comes down to creating the safe space, which is, which is what we strive to do. Yeah. That emotional rucksack, I guess you could say. Yes, exactly. Um, how can folks find you? Yeah. So, uh, there's a, a few different ways. Um, our, our website for, for recal travel is just recaltravel.com. Yeah. Um, I have my own Instagram where I dive quite a bit into breath work right now. Um, I'm also about to embark on a, a new challenge, which I'll be documenting on Instagram. By the end of this year, I plan to run a marathon com- completely through my nose, um, which I've, I've never been a distance runner. So I'm 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 uh, in training right now. I'm an oxygen advantage uh, breathwork um, oh, advanced cool. instructor in training. So I'm wow. learning some of the tools there for breathing for performance as well. So I'll be documenting my my hopefully successful um, trek toward, toward running a marathon without training by running, training by breathing. That's, uh, well, I'll, I used that modality and some other blends of it, but mm. uh, for my own training, I was running, uh, yeah. but I found a significant jump after about four to six weeks, all of a sudden there was like this huge plateau breach or, or glass ceiling broken after mm. that for, for, Four, yeah, I think it was about four to six weeks. That's and right. And and you used to run, you, or maybe you still do. I did. Yeah. You, you run, um, what tri- triathlons and uh, it's been a while, triathlons, and... but half marathon and marathon, uh, okay. kind of my, more my, my speed. Right, well, yeah. well, offline, I'll definitely be, um, looking to hit you up for some, for some tips from an experienced person. Absolutely. Uh, Anytime. That's good to hear that you had that that breakthrough four to six weeks in on the breathwork. So yeah, my plan is to to just purely train by breathing and do a few other things to you know protect the the ankles and the knees and you know I'll I'll, I'll do some other things, but I, I do not plan on running. And hopefully, I'll I'll just get into that mindset during the marathon and and just uh, quiet everything else and just breathe my way through it. An ex- interesting experiment. Look forward to seeing that. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, my, my Instagram, yeah, it's uh, Anthony LaRubio, just at Anthony LaRubio. Um, and then the, the, all the other handles for the company perspective are just at recal travel. 
Um, and then I also wanted to offer this out to your listeners, which this is so, so relevant, so needed, so important from a rest and recovery standpoint and people that are currently burnt out. I wanted to offer um, a, a $500 off um, wow. discount you. code for any of your listeners. So um, we can uh, we can can come up with the code right yeah. right now if we want just maybe rest recovery. Yeah. 500 sure or just rest 500 rest 500 yeah. yeah yeah that sounds good that'll be the discount code rest 500 well, i'll be sure to add that to the show notes too for those listening and i appreciate yeah. that offer that's awesome um, yeah no absolutely it yeah. is it is so needed and and uh and and we want to get this this out and in, into the world to give people an opportunity to reconnect with nature find some mindfulness practices and engage their their body through adventure along the way so cool well, Anthony, thanks for that, man. Um, before we close out, uh, three questions, bit of a hot seat. So mm. what are you reading right now? Oh, uh, well, my stack of books on my, my bedside table is very tall at the, the moment. <laughs> so I'm reading a lot of things simultaneously, which isn't that the thing. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a part of a, a book club, a couple of book clubs, um, anti-racism book clubs, one with my, my sisters, Gina and Maddie, which is, is really cool experience doing that together. And then, and then another one where we are reading um, me and white supremacy. And then in my, in my other, uh, that's by Layla sad, I I believe is her name. Um, And then another book club for anti-racism. I'm I'm reading, I'm reading you are your best thing by Tarana Burke and Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and shame, especially within black and, and other oppressed groups of people. Um, and then from, from kind of a related to recal sort of standpoint, I'm reading the story of the human body by Dan Lieberman, um, which again, talks a lot about the, the mismatch theory as well. And then because I just signed up for the oxygen advantage instructor training, um, I'm reading the breathing cure by Patrick McCune. I don't know if you can see it. It's actually on my bookshelf right up there. Oh, very nice. Next to Sleep Smarter, which I think is what you mentioned uh, yeah. earlier as well. I, I think that your friend podcast. Yeah, Sleep yes. Smarter. Well, I'd love to call Sean Stevenson a friend at some point, but yeah, he's an <laughs> okay. author. Sleep Smarter, great book on on sleep and super practical, uh, much like Recal. I and, love that. So, uh, all right. So what are you listening to right now, be it music or podcast? Um, well, okay. So from a music standpoint, I'm, I'm really honing in on, on my own sort of breathwork um, session style. And, mm-hmm. and I'm really going into kind of this blend of, of consistent tempo, um, electronic, and uh, kind of lo-fi sounds. So I, I don't know, I've got quite a few different, different like artists that I'm, I'm really diving into. Um, Oi is, is a DJ, Lo-Fi Fruits kind of does a lot of like um, spins on, on popular songs, but do it in like a lo-fi way. John Hopkins is, is another person who's got some really beautiful sound for breathwork purposes. So from, from a music standpoint, that's, that's kind of what I've been listening to consistently right now okay. um, to, to supplement with, with the, the breathwork sessions. Um, and from like a podcast standpoint, um, one of the best podcasts that I'm listening to right now is the Social Entrepreneurship and Innovation podcast um, by a guy named Corey Ames. Um, 
it's uh, it it's really the essence of, of a lot of things we want to bring to the table here at, at Recal. Um, and then I have the mainstays like like how I built this, but with Guy Raz and um, and uh, a couple of travel podcasts like Travel with Meaning with a guy named Mike Scheibel. Um, so yeah, that's that's I would say the rundown of what I'm listening to. Okay, cool. All right, yeah. last one. What is your go-to rest and recovery method? My go-to rest and recovery method. It involves, I mean, really, it involves the principles behind recount. I'm not trying to to go down that road again, but but it is get out into nature mm-hmm. um, and reconnect with nature. Um, I've actually personally been been experimenting with something that I'm calling mindful adventure fitness, and so I'm trying to create workouts that can be done entirely outside, no matter the conditions. I mean, I live in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's, it's pretty dang cold to go out and I've tried to be, okay, you know, I'm not trying to layer on, I'm trying to let my body do what my body knows what to do in the cold. So I create a workout, whether that's some form of, of yoga or some um, running or, or uh, a lot of times it's like stretch band type workouts out in nature. But then I always incorporate breath work and meditation and like mindfulness practices together. So, I mean, after hour, hour and a half, one of, one of my mindful adventure fitness workouts, I, I am rested and recovered, I think. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, the mission of recal and uh, look forward to joining you one time soon. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate the time as well. All right. Take care. 